Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the takeout ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. It's harder to focus than ever these days. Thankfully, C4 has reinvented the energy drink game with C4 Smart Energy, the only energy drink clinically proven to provide enhanced mental focus, containing 200 milligram of natural caffeine, a blend of vitamins and zero sugar. It was formulated to support your well-being and help you feel your best, all while enhancing mental focus. From your brain to your body, C4 Smart Energy does it all and tastes amazing. Look for Smart Energy in the beverage aisle at your local Kroger, Albertsons, and Safeway grocery stores. C4 Smart Energy. Stay focused. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Five, four, three, two, one. But who's counting, right? His name is Major. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome Major Garrett. From the nation's capital. Major, fantastic. It's the takeout. This is a major achievement. With CBS News Chief Washington Correspondent. Major Garrett. Yes, CBS. Yes, hi. Major Garrett. Major, that's nonsense. And you should know better. Is Major out of the doghouse? <laughs> the answer is yes. Welcome to the very best part of my broadcast week. Here's a question. How are you feeling about yourself? Now, having answered that for yourself, how are you feeling about your country? What direction is your country on as compared to the direction you think you're on or you feel you're on? Why am I starting the show this way? Because, interestingly, the answer to those two questions kind of sit at the center of our orientation to political satisfaction, institutionally and otherwise. How do I know that? Well, because our guest this week is going to walk us through that and many other value questions that sort of go to the core of our sense of where our country's heading, where it's been, and how we feel about this transition period. Dante Chinney is our special guest. He's with the American Communities Project, and they have done some amazing work, and we're going to spend the entire hour talking about it, surveying America, developing, is it 15? 15. Geographic areas. 15 community types, yep. 15 community types that are revelatory. That means they reveal things about America in terms of what the people who live in those particular geographic zones, think and feel, how they orient themselves to politics, and the answers to those first two questions I ask. How do they feel about themselves, and how do they feel about the country? And before I let Dante introduce himself and get more deeply into this, I want to say one thing. You might say, oh God, another survey conversation. They're all the same. Let me submit that I don't think that's true in this particular conversation. The survey is of 5,000 Americans, far larger, far larger than comparative data sets, which means it's deeper and, I think, 
has more to chew over. So with that as an introduction, Dante, it's great to have you. Thanks for being with us. Well, thank you. That's very kind. That's a very kind introduction. Thank you. So what did you learn about this set of first two questions? How do I feel about myself? How do I feel about my country? <clears throat> yeah, you know, we asked it in a way that uh, people uh, often ask about the country, right track, wrong track. We right. asked, is your life on the right track or on the wrong track? And the way we did it is we asked of these 15 community types we have, and they're really different places. Like, some are big, dense urban environments, some are kind of wealthy suburban communities, some are rural, some are college towns, some are military kind of communities, some are Native American communities, African American South. So we asked them these questions. We thought... It'll be curious because we have a bunch of data about these places. We know like how they're doing economically, what's happening in them. So we thought it'll be interesting to see the way uh, these people in these communities see their lives and the way they see the country. The interesting thing was when we asked them about their lives, there was very little difference. Everybody, and again, like some of these communities, if you were to look at the data, they're, they're struggling, struggling. E- economically, yeah. right. right? They're not doing great. How's your life? Great. You know, <laughs> like you're talking like 88 you know, more than 80%, I believe, in every type said, my life is on the right track. And then, so it's like, wow, this is kind of an amazing finding. Then we scrolled down a little bit further through the survey. We asked them, how is, how's your community? Is it on the right track or the wrong track? And the people said like, well, my community is, you know, 60% in every community. Like, yeah, my community's on the right track. I mean, not as high, right. but still 60%, more than a majority, a super majority, right? And then we asked them, how about the country? Is the country on the right track or the wrong track? And the numbers just collapsed. They're terrible. I mean, they're, you're talking, I don't think a single community was over 20% of the countries on the right track. So my life is incredible. My community, it's doing pretty well. The country is just, it's a basket case. That, that was the read of the data. And look, the reason we look at these communities is they're so different. Mm-hmm. We expect, and we do, and other questions in the survey, we see massive differences. But on this question, these series of questions, they aligned. And to us, it was just kind of a startling finding. Actually. And that doesn't typically happen where you get that alignment across communities and across lived experiences, because the lived experience in a densely populated urban area yeah. is completely different than the lived experience of a struggling economically and otherwise isolated or comparatively isolated rural community. Yeah. And yet their orientation to these three questions aligned. So, and their, their lives are radically different. I mean, we go and visit these places. I mean, you know, look, if you've traveled the country, especially by car, and you get out and see places, you know, life can be very different. We know they're really different. Um, and the idea that there's agreement on these questions was really startling us because we know in some of these communities, life hasn't been great mm-hmm. over the last 10, 15 years. Uh, and so the idea that they all aligned on these questions was really shocking us. And, we, and it was uh, one of the big surprises in the world. And what should we take from that? What should we try? Because I don't think there is a holistic single answer to right. that but what should we try to absorb from that so country's a wreck i'm doing great right community's and, doing better than average country's still a wreck right and in communities where i know they're not doing i mean the community itself isn't doing great because i see the data behind it right i see the poverty rates i see the median household income numbers i see these unemployment numbers i'm like wow these places are struggling their lives are great so what do i think is going on i think two things first Doing the survey is the first part of the work. Once we get the survey done, these are all based on geography. These communities are based on counties. We're going to go and see why the hell does this look the way it does. That's the first thing. The second thing is, I think what's really happened is we all live in bubbles. And we live in a bubble community. We live in the bubble we live in. Mm -hmm. And in the community we live in, 
you know, day-to-day life is okay. I saw Jim this morning. I saw Bob. Everything's, everybody seems like life's good. But then when you ask them about the country, it's the image they perceive of the country over media, mm-hmm. over social media. Right. And they're just like, oof, country. It's a disaster. I mean, look, we're in D.C. I mean, if you've been watching any of the coverage about what's going on in Congress, it would make sense to look at some of right. us and say, like, wow, the country is kind of a mess right now. Right. But it, it's deeper than that. I think it's deeper than that. I think that what's really happening is the tribalism that's in these communities and the bubble realities you live in, everything's fine in your bubble. But those people over there in that bubble, they're wrong. And that's one of the problems we have right now. I want to describe the various communities that you have within this survey and how you break out the data. African-American South, aging farmlands, big cities, college towns, evangelical hubs, exurbs, graying America, Hispanic centers, LDS enclaves, middle suburbs, military posts, Native American lands, rural middle America, urban suburbs, working-class country. Of those, which do you think need, for my audience, any more explanation? I think the thing that's probably the hardest thing for people to, to sort through when they see the typology is um, we think of rural America as a thing. All as one a, thing. Right. It's just like urban places, there's suburban places, and there's rural It's places. one or the other. Right. And that's, you know, that's something I had a problem with. It's one of the reasons I came up with this project. But so looking at this poll data and like, well, there's a lot of suburban places and there's a lot of different kinds of rural places, but rural in particular. The difference between like aging farmlands, rural middle America, working class country. Uh, these places, if you look at them, you say like, oh, rural places. It's like, yeah, but they're different. Their economies function differently. Uh, they really, they, the, the size of the communities are different. The, the so if range I were to of think conceptually as I'm listening to this working class country, where is that? So I think the best way to think of working class country, it doesn't all neatly fit into this, but it's a little more Appalachian in its, in its uh, root. So it's very, very, very small towns but, and rural, but not driven by agriculture. Uh, maybe at one time there was some small industry there, something like there was a small plant in town or something like that. So there are places that are kind of like so pretty Ohio, remote. parts of eastern Ohio, southeastern yes. Ohio, yeah. uh, West Virginia, yes. some parts of Pennsylvania Absolutely. possibly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What would be... I think this one is self-evident, rural middle America. Right. So I like to think of rural middle America as small town America. Okay. So like rural, rural communities a lot of times have these little hubs in them where like everybody goes to do business and things like that. That's rural middle America, those kinds of communities. Now, graying America, that could be a lot of places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really could. It's, so it, it tends to be, those are rural places with a large portion of the population that's um, 65 and over. Uh, but they're not, they're, not, they're not agricultural. Increasingly, these places, by the way, just kind of a fascinating side note, um, they're filling up with retirees and close to retirees who are moving to these places out of urban communities. To, they're places they visited. They're mm-hmm. on the water. They're in the mountains. There's something that, like, used to vacation there. So they're changing. But, like, rural, graying, and filling up with different kinds of people. That is the voice of Dante Chini. We are at a great restaurant we haven't been to before, kind of all in the family. It is DuPont Italian Kitchen. Lunch has just arrived. We thank you, sir. Back for segment two of The Takeout in just one second. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. 
we can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome back. Lunch is here and boy is it good. DuPont Italian Kitchen. Haven't been here before. We'll be back again, I guarantee you. Dante Chinney is our special guest. Continuing this conversation about the American Communities Project and what do we know about ourselves? What can we glean about ourselves that's deeper and more fundamental and maybe more helpful to understand politics and maybe our sense of... Let me ask you this. Mm. I often describe the country politically as more exhausted than active. We are participants. Voting data shows that our elections are more involved than they have been. Mm -hmm. The last three elections either set records for turnout or approached records for turnout. And you know as well as I do, because I know you're an expert in this field, in the late 90s, there were all these very important and stern political science articles written about, will democracy die via apathy? Right. We don't turn out enough. We're not interested enough. We're not engaged enough. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not a problem anymore. Yeah. We do not have too that. similar, right? That was the other problem. Right. Yeah. Oh, all the similarities. Oh, my gosh. Y. Why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't distinguish between the two. Yeah. We're all going to collapse from ennui. Uh, that's not our issue. Are we exhausted? Anything in your data try to measure or capture that, or did it push itself into it so i will say from talking to people and looking at some of these numbers we are exhausted in terms of what are we going to do with this country like we were exhausted about direction i think in some ways though i will, I will say like in the survey get into a little later there's some stuff in there where there's more agreement than you'd think in some place like huh interesting there's something here maybe there might be something going on that's worth noting but the 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 thing that gets everybody geared up right now is you know, it's like a football Sunday. Everybody puts on their jersey mm-hmm. and they go like, I'm, they're not even a lot of times. Sometimes they're voting for somebody. A lot of times they're voting against somebody. And that generates enthusiasm. But like it's, I will say this. The problem is there's not a lot of enthusiasm because in terms of voting for, it used to be in the 90s when things were boring that we were voting about policies, mm-hmm. right? They have a policy and they have a policy. And I'm voting for this policy for that. Or we thought they were. I don't know what voters really vote on, but that's Look what we up, thought. Look it up, kids. In 2000, there was a lengthy conversation on television, yes. even about a lockbox. The lockbox. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, you won't even believe it. You'd be like, "Are you what? What people?" There was like, there was like, back and forth on. So it, was, it was social security. Conver- yeah, <laughs> it was just what crazy. to do about yeah. the social security surplus? Yeah, and how tight the lockbox would be. Yep, it seems almost absurd now that there was that level of granularity on policy, but there was. There was, and it was. It's such an antiquated notion now, and I think like. I think what's happened is this. People understand that a lot of things have happened. Um, society moves faster now. Culture moves faster now, in part because of technology and phones and things like things like this. And like we talked about rural and urban in this last time we chatted first before the break. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the, the country's not all changing at the same rate. Some places are changing much faster than other places. In fact, and some parts of the country are more comfortable with the pace of that exactly, change. Exactly. And those things are directly related, I think. Uh, and when you look, so when you look at these numbers all the time about nationally, um, you know, the country's going to cease to be, uh, the country's going to be um, minority majority, or that's what we used to say. Uh, white, non-Hispanic people will cease being the majority in this country, and they keep pushing on, I think it's like 2050s, something like that. It's about 63% right now. Right. White, non-Hispanic. Go to some communities, it's it's like the fifties. I mean, it's ninety-five percent white, non-Hispanic, mm-hmm. or, or or it's or it's way ahead. It's it's much more diverse than the nation is as a whole. And like some of these communities look at what's coming down the road, and they're just like, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. I don't want what's on. I don't want what my kids are showing me on my phone. I don't want like, I don't you know the bathroom fights and like things like this. And what does that mean? Well, everybody gets their backup at election time. Because I'm going to have the, we're going to have the fight. We're going to save the country, or no, no, we're going to take the country in this direction. We all come out and do that, and then the country is pretty evenly divided. Nothing really happens, right? That you know, it, you know, people can hate Donald Trump or love Donald Trump. He got a lot of votes, right? Most so a did. lot of the country is behind him, and a lot of his supporters are in Congress, and so nothing really happens. People get their back up. They think they're going to cast their vote and change the country, and then we just end up in deadlock. So, in my opinion, what, what do I think? I'm, what do we think we're looking at? I think we're looking at twenty years. I think of just this fight going back and forth about what are we going to be as a who do we want to be? This debate is really about who are we and who do we want to be. And these fifteen types that we look mm-hmm. at all have different ideas about what they want the country to be. That's so the story. Among these fifteen, is there a way for you to look at the data and say these are the two of the fifteen that are most dissimilar? Mm-hmm. So in the most and, and what would they be? Which are the two that are farthest apart in terms of polarities of politics and, and understanding I, our so and this is, this is a really crucial point. Like when we built this typology, there is no politics went into this. None. There are no political variables in there. Zero. Like anything we see in the political difference in these places rise out of rises out of all the other things that make up the communities. We didn't say like I want places that voted over sixty percent Democratic or sixty percent Republican. We didn't want any of that. So. What are the places that are the most different? The big cities are by far the most dense, densely populated. They are the most diverse. Uh, they are in some ways what the country is going to become, a lot of these places, in terms of the racial and ethnic mix. I think they're also further ahead in terms of, you look at, the, you look at the, all sorts of polling data, the decline of people going to church, the rise of nuns, N-O-N-E-S, like no religious affiliation, also in these urban places. What's the opposite of that? The aging farmlands. Right. Incredibly sparsely populated, very, very, very white, non-Hispanic, very socially conservative. And I mean, like their social conservatism rises out of the fact that they live in a very different world. Mm-hmm. They live in a world that a lot of us, if you live in an urban area, it, it doesn't exist anymore. It, you go to these places, it's like it, it's, you're in a time warp. It's, in a, it's a different America. Now, it, they still have phones and technology and other things there. But like they really are kind of often a different world than the big cities. And the big cities, for a lot of people, also are, are their America is it's maybe going to be someday. But mm-hmm. it's not the way it is now. And that's, that's on people's minds. And I'm happy to say that this humble little show of my creation <laughs> lives in both worlds. Yeah. We are carried by WCBS in New York and a lovely radio station in Union, Tennessee. It's important... I, the one thing that's missing... And that makes me very happy, by yeah, the way. It's important, because the one thing that's missing is um, there is not a lot of common ground anymore. 
I mean, the one thing that's happened with the fracturing of media, uh, uh, news media, social media, is um, wh- where do we all go to get the same? So w- we talked about how you live in this reality, and you're re- if you live in one of these aging farmland communities and then you live in New York City, you're living in different realities. But there used to be... Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we're, this is a CBS production. There used to be Walter Cronkite at night. Yes. And he would tell I've you the way it was. Right. Yes. Right? Yes. So now there are a lot a of national ways. national oracle. Right. That's right. Now there are a lot of ways it is. And, like, I think that, that there is no common kind of national vision of what, you know, reality is, which means these all these little different kinds of communities that that are reading different media and hearing different things and watching different things on TV really develop their own sense of what reality is. And it makes it very hard. I'm curious about, and we'll carry this conversation on the other side of the break, but I want to get it started now. Two of the 15 topologies, one is LDS Mm -hmm. enclaves, and the other is evangelical hubs. Yes. What are they, and what makes them different from one another? So the... So all the data that built this typology is census data, except... For two sets of data. We have, well, we actually have religious adherence too. Overall religious adherence, white evangelical population, and LDS population. And why did we do those separately? Because. And LDS is shorthand uh, for. It's, it's the Mormons. Right. It, and so if you look at it on the map, because we have these all mapped, right. Utah looks a different color than most of the rest of right. the country because of this. Um, why did we do that? Because those places really do function differently. And the, the, the cultural, and it is really interesting. It's like, you'd say like, well, the aging farmlands are conservative too, though, right? It's like, well, they are, but it's not the same. Like these evangelical hubs, you have a certain, when you have a certain percentage of white evangelical population, what does it mean? It means that community is full of a lot of different churches uh, that have a lot of different pastors and, of a, and, and they tend to go to church more often, and they have little groups within the community that have different ideas about what the community should be. LDS, those LDS communities, um, they have a lot of the same cultural conservatism as those evangelical places, but the difference is in those LDS communities, everybody's LDS, not everybody. Right. But, but most of the people in <clears throat> positions of power in those cities and counties are LDS. There's a higher degree of homogenization. Oh, absolutely. It's a different kind of environment. That is the voice of Dante Chinney. Lunch is here. It's really good. He's got chicken parm. I've got a great creamy pasta thing with chicken and sausage. Excellent. DuPont Italian Kitchen is our location. Back for more, meeting segment three, in just one second. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. 
Welcome back. What a delicious lunch here at DuPont Italian Kitchen. Dante Chinni is our guest. I want to ask about these two of the other 15 typologies um, for places we live in our great country. Three, actually. Uh, one is of the three, I think most self-evident. We'll get to that last. Military posts and Native American lands. Yeah. Why those two typologies and why are they important? Uh, the Native American lands communities, <clears throat> I will say, we've been doing some form of this typology, um, geez, for 15 years now. And we didn't break them out originally. We had them into a different group. And they just, when you look at the data, they emerge in so many different ways. They pop in so many different ways. Now, they're, it's like, they're not always good things, but like those communities really stand out. They're almost always highest unemployment. I will say we did a whole project on deaths of despair, people dying from uh, drugs, alcohol, or, or suicide. And they just, they, they blew the curve. I mean, they look different from everything else. They really have special challenges and unique challenges that need to be addressed that aren't true in other communities in the country. And yet, if I heard your first answer, there's still, on an individual level, a sense that lives are on the right track more than the wrong yeah. track. It's, it's, and again, then the communities the are things, healthy. That was one of the things Net that jumped healthy. out. Yeah, yeah. And they're fascinating. Like, we get into some of the other questions. The Native American lands are a really interesting mix of, like, conservative and liberal views. So they're, they're kind of... They're, they're, they really are apart from other communities in the country living and seeing the world very differently. Why is it important to understand politics as it flows through a military post community? We thought, so the reason we, we pulled them out, and again, like, basically, we did this by dumping all this data in and then running it through, like, I didn't do this. People smarter than me did this. But, like, you create an algorithm and just give it to the computer and say, sort these into types, and things emerge. Those emerge. And I think the reason they're interesting to look at is they are... Um, conservative they tend to be fairly rural not some some cases not but for the most part they're transient people pass through in mm -hmm. fact in some ways i think of the college the the military post is the mirror image of the college towns where um it's a lot of young people go there and they're from someplace else and right. like it's a different kind of like i'm leaving home and becoming an adult in a different sort of way um and so, so they're, they're mirror images of each other politically college exactly. towns more progressive yeah military post Exactly, though the military posts are really interesting because like their view of foreign affairs is just different. I mean, foreign mm -hmm. affairs is not just something that's buried in the newspaper because to them, they look at what's happened in the Middle East or Ukraine. Or any hotspot. Any hotspot and wonder, huh, is somebody going there? That's right. always going to be forefront right. of their minds. So right. that makes them fundamentally different. But they are definitely much more conservative than, than the college towns, which are, again, the flip side. They're young, liberal, uh, on their way to being educated. Right. And Hispanic centers. Um, How should we think about those? They're mostly small. They are, um, they're really interesting because they're mostly, as you would imagine, I will say like Hispanic centers and the other community have African-American South does not mean those places are majority Hispanic or majority African-American, but they're much larger than the national average. Uh, and they face different <clears throat> kinds of challenges. First of all, they have language barriers in a lot of those communities. Um, they're they're mostly amassed along in the south on the border, but then you look and they pop up in Kansas, uh, and it's a different kind of population. There are people who come to work the agricultural jobs. Uh, Garden City, uh, Kansas is one place that's like this. And I've spent some time there, Finney County, um, and they're really different because like 
you have this old white population that's been there a long time and then this Hispanic population that arrives and it's different. And there is much more of a symbiotic relationship, I think, in some of these places where like the older white population understands the need, especially in agricultural communities, for having a labor force. They, they need that. And then along the border, it feels a little different. I will say that just generally those communities, for the most part, their ideas about immigration are different than they are in other places because the, 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 the Hispanic population is so large in most of those communities that the, the relationship, it's, I'm not like, they're not, everyone's not singing hand, you know, holding hands and singing kumbaya, but it's not like they're especially tense. Mm-hmm. There's an understanding that they've got to coexist. So I'll cut to the chase on one of these things. Every one of these 15 typologies does not like inflation. Duh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, given. But let's go a little bit to other issues. Abortion. Yeah. That was, of all the things in the survey, that was the thing that was personally most surprising to me, which is that we asked all these communities, is abortion something that should be between a woman and her doctor without government interference? Was essentially the question, uh, the, the statement. And every one of these communities was over 50% yes. Every one every of them. Every one of them. And that includes these evangelical communities and the LDS communities. And we were really surprised by that because, and at first... You'd think like, oh, I know why, because you just are asking the liberal people in those communities. And it's like, no, because when you look at other questions in here that are clearly meant to pull this, this is a conservative idea, they pop. They're like, yep, you're like, yep, that's a conservative point of view. That's a conservative place. That's what they think. But on abortion, it was different. And it was truly remarkable that the fact that they, there was so much agreement on that issue. And just to put a pin on this, you couldn't even do that anyway. Just find the liberals. <laughs> Well, it's among, no, hidden no, among no, the evangelical no, but there hubs is always, and the but, LDS. Uh, there's always this concern when there's a poll that like, well, sure, but you just talked to the wrong people, right? That's <laughs> why you just talked to the wrong people. But then you look at the poll, it's like, well, we didn't not, I don't like right people, wrong people. But obviously, when you look at these other questions, like, no, no, this is a pretty good representative sample. But the So let's like, get to one of those other questions. Yep. Second Amendment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big I didn't difference. say guns. I said Second Amendment. Yeah. And it's like, is... is is owning a gun central to what it means to be an American? And that's a great... Think about that question. Is owning a gun central to being an American? Yeah. What did you learn? So uh, when you look at it nationally, it's about 50-50, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, I guess, you know, when you think about the fights we have over guns in this country, it's like, yeah, okay. But then you go into the communities and it's radically different from place to place. Some places you've got 60%, 70% agreeing with that idea. Other places it's down like 30%, 33 Big cities, for instance, not big fans of guns. You know, but you get out to like uh, rural middle America, LDS, uh, or uh, evangelical communities, or working class country. Yeah, owning a gun is part of what it means to be here. Like, uh, And that's one of those questions on the conservative side that popped. Mm-hmm. And even so, which which... Evidence that it's not just liberals you're talking right, exactly, to. Exactly, yeah. You still got that higher than 50% on abortion. The question should be a woman, her doctor, and no government interference. It's, and it will say, like, we had one question in that it was really like cultural liberal or cultural conservative. The, the healthiest environment for, chid, or for a child to grow up in is a working father and a mother staying at home to raise the child, which is like pretty much like this is the conservative idea of what a family is supposed to be. And on that question, all those communities popped, right? It was, it was yes, evangelical communities said yes, LDS communities said yes, and then the, the big cities, urban suburbs, which were also very democratic, college towns, no. They did not agree with that statement. Right. So 
we were capturing that stuff. It, it, the, the differences are there on these on these cultural conservative questions. They just didn't show up on abortion, which is interesting. What did the survey tell you about attitudes about government? Um, people aren't fans of government. <laughs> so I will say, like, the thing that came which out would of these, also be kind of a surprise. Well, the 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 question. One question we asked people was about. Um, this kind of surprised me is should we cut social programs in order to cut taxes? Right. Okay. That's one where I'm like, okay, these conservative communities are going to say, here's a choice. Like, yes. If that's the choice. Yes. We're going to, where do you come on down on this, on this choice? Nobody wanted to do that. Nobody, nobody again, like over 50% in, in every community or where under 50% in every community agreed with that, which was interesting to me. So then you're like, Oh, so this is a group of people that is kind of pro-government in some way, right? Or they, they don't want government cut. But there's another question that we asked, a statement that was like, the federal, or government needs to do more to, to, to capture private malfeasance or basically capture private misdoing by private companies. Nobody wanted that. Even the liberal communities were not in favor of the government stumping up enforcement over the private sector, which again, wow. was interesting to me. Like, and I think a lot of it goes to like, there is a lot of distrust. I mean, the one thing we did before this, we went around the country to four different places and asked people with these 25 words what they mean to them. We asked people about government. The word corrupt came up an awful lot with yeah. people, a lot. So there is a embedded sort of suspicion, even if it's phrased in terms of a question about catching those who are exploiting the system yeah. or who are rigging it against you. That really surprised There's still a reluctance me. to chase after them. It, even, in the, even in the places that lean left, that was one of the things that really surprised me again in the survey. Yeah. There are surprises in our country. We're going to continue to learn more about them. Segment four of The Takeout coming your way in just one second. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to The Takeout. You know I love to nerd out this is a nerdier of a kind of show that we do there are times when we just just nerd out that's what happens you're in this audience because you know that you've been sufficiently warned and you've bought in and i thank you for that uh lunch is now concluded it was fantastic dupont italian kitchen we thank you dante chinney is our guest so um this is an oversimplistic question but I think it is important to have at least a conversation about. Hmm. Looking at all this data, optimistic, pessimistic about our future. I, I'm always, I'm always optimistic about the future, and I do think, and I, and I mean that in a, in the most serious way. Like mm -hmm. I do think, in the end, everything's we're going to figure this out. But am I optimistic about 
the next couple of years, I think it's going to be bumpy. I mean, I think it's just going to be very bumpy. I think we're, we're at one of these hinge points in history. The parties are realigning. The economy has changed. Technology is changing very rapidly. It's a very disruptive time. It really is. And what does that mean? It means that we as a country are trying to figure out who the heck are we going to be? Mm-hmm. And like those conversations are hard. And like it's gonna be, it's gonna be. Will it ultimately be okay? I think so. But like, get ready for you know, bumpy decade. And one of the things that came across to me, looking at the data and your report about it, is that there is this pretty deeply embedded question people are asking themselves: What does it mean to be an America, mm-hmm. American? Yep. What is America, and do I fit in it anymore? Yeah. That feels pretty close to the bone. Yeah. I mean, we did ask one question. Do you, I, one of the statements was, I feel like a stranger in my, in my own country. You asked that question. We did. We asked people whether they agreed or disagreed, and we saw the same kind of movement. Again, the places that it's, it's really a question about alienation, and you see it specifically in more rural communities and communities, again, like I'm not saying this is all about voting, but like communities that are more likely to vote for Donald Trump, higher Trump money or <laughs> higher Trump percentages those places really feel that way. I mean, so there is this question of what it means to be an American and what is America. These are heavy, heavy, heavy questions. And people, and again, like you go to these communities, it makes sense. They have very different answers. It's like what it means to be an American and what it, what they, what they want the country to be for their kids. And like, we'll resolve it one way or the other. But mm-hmm. like the thing that makes the, the thing that I think is going to make things very bumpy is this. The country is pretty evenly divided on the blue-red axis, right? One way or the other. But um, there are these cleavages that we see in the data, these different kinds of community. Anything, getting anything done in this country involves compromise. Right. And, like, when you ask these fundamental questions about what is America, what does it mean to be an American, these are not things people like to compromise on. These are things that people have very concrete views on mm-hmm. and are not interested in I mean, they might be interested in hearing what you have to say, but they're, you're not going to convince them otherwise, right? They're not interested in giving an inch. Right. So what does that mean? Again, that's why I say, like, the next 10, 20 years, we're going to be hammering through this stuff, and it's, it's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. But I think we'll get through it. I do. One of the efforts of this, one of the points of this project is we hope that in the end we find common ground. We think we can. There's a really interesting question that, in that we asked for a statement. Americans have more in common than is generally believed. We ask people that. Right. Every one of these types agreed with that. All 15? All 15. Yes, Americans have more in common than is generally believed. They all agree with that. That's a real, that's pretty positive, that's right? Hopeful. That's a really hopeful point to take away from this. And some of the other things we talked about, the question on abortion, even though some people may disagree with it, the idea that, like, this hugely divisive issue, we kind of have made up our minds on it, really, when you get into the data. Um, this is question about... There's a lot of distrust of the economic system in this country, and it comes from everybody. So there are areas of agreement. But even if you agree on the idea of, like, what's wrong, then comes the question of how do we, okay, then what do we do about it? That's when things get tough. Did you ask anything about what it means to be either an immigrant or how comfortable we are with more immigrants? Yeah, so that was one thing that was, again, most immigration does not do well in this poll. We asked people, would the country, would the country be, better off, be better off with more immigrants? Even the most liberal communities were like, no. No? <laughs> really? Yeah. And, it, like, and I will say, like, looking at the data, they're probably wrong, frankly. Like, we're running out of workers. Like, we probably actually do need more immigration in this country. Um, but they don't want to hear it. Uh, it is a really... And is that even more profoundly prevalent in 
rural communities and yeah, conservative I mean, the, communities? Yes. I mean, yeah, yeah. When you get it to like places like working class country, there was one of the really interesting, we had a battery of questions where you asked them local important issues in your community versus what's important issues in the country. So immigration in a lot of these communities where there are no immigrants, nobody had it ranked highly as a local issue. As so a local like, issue. Right. right. It, it's, it's high in the Hispanic centers, but it's not high in like working class country, evangelical hubs. Evangelical hubs, I think it was only like 9% said it was one of the most three most important issues. Nationally, 33% said it's one of the three most important. And it became, it moved from like fourth to like the second most important issue nationally behind inflation, which we know nobody likes to pay more for things. But like, that's interesting to me because it's like these. This is not something these people are dealing with in their daily lives. Mm-hmm. They're receiving messages about what's happening in the country, and they're rea- they're responding to it. If someone in my audience wants to find this data and look at it and see the pictures and see the results, where do they go? Go to uh, AmericanCommunities.org. Please do come by, read the survey, read the analysis, see what you have to say. There are there are also these videos we have on there. Where we went around and asked people twenty five words. What do these words mean to you? Things like democracy, liberal, conservative, work. Uh, and the, those are pretty interesting as well. Different people in different places. I think like, the goal of everything we're doing here is to try to get people out of the bubbles. We talked, started at the beginning about the bubbles. Right. I'm in a bubble, you're in a bubble, we're in a bubble. DC mm-hmm. is the, maybe the bubble of all bubbles. Um, the only way we're gonna get out of this thing is by being able to get outside of the bubble at least a little bit. It doesn't mean you have to agree with everything the other side says, mm-hmm. but you have to at least try to understand where they're coming from. Right. And we're hoping that's what this work does. We're hoping this work sheds light on the idea that people live in different places, see the world in different ways, differently than you do. Mm-hmm. And, and they need to see the way you see it, and you need to see the way they see it. And maybe when we start to do that, we can, we can close some of these gaps. It costs money to do this work at the level of depth and intensity that you do it. Where does the money come from? Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, from our good friends at the Robert Johnson Foundation, who funded this work. Uh, the American Communities Project is based at Michigan State University, but with funding from Robert Johnson. And they, I will say just, um, they have been a, just a terrific partner. And they are very involved in this. Like, sometimes you get a grant. I've, I've gotten a few grants. And somebody just gives you money and says, bye. Uh, they are, but they are like, they're really interested in this and they like, they've been working with us. They helped devise the survey. We're going through results together. And if you were to try to explain to my audience the goal or the goals, what would they be? So this is the first of three surveys. We're going to do one of these a year. And theoretically, this is the survey that tries to identify where the fault lines are. The second one goes a little further and tries to understand root causes. And the third one tries to find where's the common ground? Where can we build bridges? That's the goal. Over time, mm-hmm. will we get there? I mean, stay tuned. We're working on it. Yeah. <laughs> right. But the three-step process is identify, dig deeper, yeah. and then try to see if there's a way to take that to a level of reconciliation. Yeah. That's why I will say the one thing that was really positive out of this survey was we found some of these issues that really we thought would be divisive weren't. Mm-hmm. So for us, even this first thing was like identifying the fault lines. It's like, oh, look. There's a little bit of there's a little bit of hope here. There's a little bit of hope here. There's some areas where there's already some agreement. That was a good sign. Venn diagrams of hope. They can be found, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Dante Chinney has been our special guest. That concludes the takeout. Stay tuned for the takeout outtake, especially. We'll see you next week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to your takeout outtake especial. DuPont Italian Kitchen has been our host restaurant. We thank them very much for that. Food was excellent. Dante Chini is our special guest. So we did all the stuff on the surveys and the data, and we're going to have some fun here. So one of the things that we do to have fun in this fun and game segment is we ask three questions. The show has been going on for now seven years, I'm happy to say, and almost everyone has taken these questions. Take them whichever order you prefer, and feel free to lean into the answers. Absolutely. Uh, most influential book in your life and why? Hmm. All-time favorite movie. One way to think about that is if you're scrolling through whatever device you're scrolling through and you see this movie, you always stop. Mm-hmm. And if you're on a long flight or a long drive, Dante, and you're really going to enjoy some music, what music, artist, or genre is that most likely to be? Wow. Okay. These are good questions. That's um, why I like them. So the first question... I'll do the, let's go in order, a book. I think the book that was most influential to me, and I, there's a lot of books I of love, course. but like, there's this book by Daniel Borston called The Image. Mm-hmm. It is, I think, from the late 60s, early 70s. I read it in college. Um, and it was really mind-blowing. It was, it was kind of the discussion of how culture interacts with people and politics and how they, it probably ended up really setting me on the course I'm on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a terrific book, and and I, look, it's dated, but it's still like if you find it anywhere, it's because I think it was it's been in print for a long time. It's it's, it's a well known book. Someone I know, you know, Ron Brownstein, a good uh-huh. friend of mine, a friend of this show, argues, and he's not the only one, but he argues aggressively that culture leads politics. Oh yeah, he, he's correct. I mean, politics like, catches up, and yeah. culture's way out ahead. Everything we did to build these, there were no these types. There's no politics in there for us. Politics is the lagging indicator. Mm-hmm. Economics, culture, these are the things that kind of develop your psyche, who you are. Right. And then politics ends up being like, how do you respond to it? Right, yeah. and how it flows through you. Yeah, yeah. And Ooh. so the, the image, read the image, is excellent. Movie. Movie, I love movies, man. So that's really hard for me. And it depends on the night. I mean... All right, so, okay, I'm going to do a couple. Go, go a couple, do a couple. please. Okay. Uh, uh, I mean, so we were emailing. You said most of the podcasts you listen to uh, yeah, are about movies or sports. movies or sports. Yeah. Uh, so I'm a. I do love. I I love Martin Scorsese. So I I do love. I love Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. I how can you not? I, and I do. And I and I love Godfather One and Two. Those are kind of standard issue responses, though. But I love The Big Lebowski. Great. One of, one of my all-time faves. The dude abides. The dude. The dude definitely abides, and uh, that era. And I. And I will. And I do. Sounds exhausting. Picking, <laughs> going my Tarantino itch. <laughs> like I do. Like I love Pulp Fiction, and I love Reservoir Dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, let me see. One other one to just throw at you is I still will watch every time it's on. 
I will watch Shawshank mm-hmm. and just yeah. uh, it'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, wherever it is, I'll jump in and be like, ooh. Yep, exactly. Oh, walk in the yard, I'm in. Exactly. Yep. Uh, music. I'm a child of the 90s, so, uh, and I really am. I do like some, my my daughter is studying jazz, so I'm, in, I'm into jazz a little bit, but like mostly I'm like a 90s head, so like I love the replacements. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen, I saw them three times. Uh, I've, Pavement. I'm absolutely, I totally love Pavement. Wow. Uh, I'm a big Pavement First time head. that's ever been mentioned in seven years. I'm a, I'm a big Pavement head. And, and, and then I do like this, you know, like, look, everybody loves the Rolling Stones and things like that. But, like, for the most time, for the most part, like, um, uh, music from late 80s, early 90s. So, Replacements, Pavement, The Pixies, and uh, occasionally, like, I, I've been listening to a lot of Talking Heads lately because I've seen the... Mm-hmm. I've seen the anniversary of um, Stop Making Sense. Yes. So I've been listening to that on repeat for the last couple of weeks. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, in our last 45 seconds, I want to have a brief conversation about Godfather 3. Ha! No. Very brief, I hope, right? <laughs> I believe it is not in anywhere close to 1 and 2, it's but not. it is, I believe, criminally disregarded. It's not a bad movie as people say it is. Yeah, I mean, uh, so let's just, let's just go it there. It suffers by let's comparison. Ju- let's just go there. Yeah. I agree. I think it's not. If you were to just see it as a movie, it's like that was a pretty good that's, movie. That's exactly right. Sofia Coppola, Sofia Coppola, who I think is a tremendous director. Yes, terrible actress. Terrible actress. Yeah. And that movie, if they got one on a rider, casting, it suffered from. They were supposed to have one on a rider. If they got one on a rider, yeah, would have been a different movie. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And people did not like the tortured Michael Corleone. That's okay with me. I'm okay. I thought that was that was believable to me. Yeah, was a tortured okay soul at the end of it. Well, yeah, because people didn't hear the not macho enough and all that sort of stuff. That was okay with me. I think you look at that movie in isolation, it's a seven and a seven and a half, which is a solid, solid movie. It just doesn't compare with the first two, but I think it's unfairly maligned. I think that's right. And I do think it's like, I think it's so. Oh, God, we don't need to do all this. All right. The, the, <laughs> way, the, the way that Michael dies compared to the way that Vito dies, I mean, Michael, because of where he's at in his life, is bound to have some of the things he's having in that movie. Right. He's older. He's yeah. looking back on his life. You don't ever have that for a whole bunch of other reasons. No. Anyway, so I buy your point completely exactly. on there. Yeah. That's that, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Major's Movie Corner. <laughs> the Takeout is produced by Arden Fari, Jamie Benson, Sarah Cook, Ellie Watson, Jake Rosen, and Ashley Armstrong. CBSN production by Eric Susanen. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Takeout Podcast. That's at Takeout Podcast. And for more, go to TakeoutPodcast.com. The Takeout is a production of CBS News. If you like The Takeout, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go... Tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com slash survey. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.